Hello everybody and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now this week, it's been a special week. Two Premier League games for each team this week. Um, a lot's gone on this week, including Jurgen Klopp getting the manager of the play, FIFA play, whatever it's called. Um, undeservedly, everybody's saying at the moment, but we will do, yeah, go into that and go into some more other stuff. But first, as we always do, how are you guys? Uh, yeah, pretty spiffing, if I do say myself. myself so. Yeah. Joe? Tired. Tired. I'm so glad for this break. How about you, Daniel-san? Yes, very good. Um, <laughs> that just got me that, Daniel-san. Your dad Daniel always Sam. calls at me. And it's just like, yeah. I, I didn't even realise what it means until I watched Karate Kid. He's like, wax on, wax off, Daniel-san. And all that. <laughs> Alex is being very festive. Nobody can see him if you're on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, go. yeah, he's got um, the decks in the background, which is very good. Joe's getting his out. I can't There's a Christmas tree. Joe's got the tiniest Christmas tree in the world. I don't think you've ever seen one. And it's like. also made out silver. of silver glass. Pog. 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 There we go. <laughs> no, you can't say Pogba anymore because he's leaving. Yeah. Well, we will come on to him actually in a minute. But first, let's start off with this club now. My club. Manchester United nil. Manchester City nil. The derby that disappointed, I, I called it at the weekend. Um, nothing really happened apart from that Rashford penalty, which hopefully you can see on your screens now. Um, so the, the ball came in across. Rashford gets it. Kyle Walker sort of take well, it doesn't really take him out. It's the softest thing ever, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, it ended up not being a penalty. Do you think it should have been a penalty, Alex? Um, when I was watching it live, I thought maybe, but then I saw the replay and I thought like, oh, there's not much in it. And then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the right decision to, to not give a penalty. But it would have made the game um, a whole lot more exciting if it was given. So. He was offside anyway. Yeah. And he, he didn't, he barely touched him. Yeah. Uh, that's all that really happened. But what was annoying for me was when the full-time whistle went, it's a derby, isn't it? And Harry Maguire and John Stones Probably, defenders are normally like the hardest players in the team. Them two go and hug each other at the end. <laughs> and I know a lot of controversy was around that, especially with Roy Keane. And to be honest, I wasn't really happy with it as well because it's a derby and like, you wouldn't do it in any other. I know it's not as fierce as like a lot of other derbies. But if we want to be like have the derby that's fierce or like afraid, I don't know what I'm on about. Well, they are mates, aren't they? Yeah, they are from England and stuff. But, yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't know. I mean... I, I don't reckon they'd have done it if there was uh, fans there because, yeah, again, that is a whole different atmosphere. And then if you go and hug an opposition player, they'll be like, what, what, what are you doing? And then, yeah, yeah, your career's in, in trouble. But, yeah. um, I mean, even if there was, like, 2,000 fans there, I know if we played Liverpool in the Merseyside derby and somehow we were allowed, like, 2,000 fans there, there'd be so much shouting, like, screaming if our players went over and hugged, like, some Liverpool players. Cause, there'd like, be stuff thrown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what everyone was saying as well, Alex, uh, that it wouldn't happen if fans was in the stadium. But that leaves Manchester City with the last six games. That was from the United result, but from the West Brom result, the last seven games, they've not kept a clean sheet. Or have they? Oh, they have kept a clean sheet. They have, they have, they have. Um, so, yeah, City, City have got that uh, for a stat. Alex, let's go on to your oh. team now. Everton won, Chelsea nil, Gilfie Sigurdsson pen- uh, penalty. To win the game in the first half. How did it go? Yeah, very good. Uh, I mean, we we pretty much sat back the whole game. I'm not used to us uh, 
doing this normally. But again, if you need the results, you, you get the results if you sit back. And, and we definitely did it correctly here. Uh, we played four centre-backs in a, a back four, which was, I didn't know really what was going on. But um, yeah, Godfrey and, and Holgate made for, for very good makeshift, makeshift full-backs. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what really won us the game. Um, Mendy with an obvious foul uh, on Calvert-Lewin won the penalty and then a very calm penalty from Guilford Sigurdsson to put us 1-0 up and we just played out the game from there I think uh, Chelsea were pretty unlucky to, to get an equaliser I'm pretty sure they hit the post twice but uh, again we hit the post as well so yeah it was a pretty even match and I think um, we probably deserved to win and it's a very needed win as well and a very good clean sheet Yeah definitely um, now going on to the next game and it was Leeds 1 West Ham 2 and I was quite surprised by this result bearing in mind that Leeds are doing very well but then I also I've also just thought now West Ham are doing very well as well sitting 6th I believe in the Prem something like that at yeah. the moment um, so yeah West Ham carrying on uh, their recent form very well now the next game was Crystal Palace versus Tottenham Hotspur and it was one all in the end but what got me on this game was we always see Spurs sit back and counter we saw it in Liverpool in midweek and we've not seen them actually come out of the shell sort of and try and attack with what they've got. And Crystal Palace, like they are a counter-attacking team as well. They counter-attack, they sat back. Tottenham could barely break them down. Uh, and when they did, Guaita was there and made some brilliant saves after that mistake um, for Tottenham's first goal. And that last save in the last minute was brilliant from in, from the Harry Kane um, free kick. And also, what was it, Harry Kane header that got a deflection? Yeah. And he, and he saved it as well. Um, so, incredible. Yeah. He was very, very good that game. Um, That's what you want to see, isn't it? Yeah. Someone's showing like Spurs are no, uh, you can do. It's not just you that can do this. Yeah. Uh, I, we'll we'll come on to the Liverpool game in a bit, and Young Club had to say some stuff about um, Mourinho's style of play. We're going on to Liverpool now, and it was Fulham one, Liverpool one. Alex, Liverpool looked a bit under threat that first half, didn't they? Yeah, I mean the first half. Um... Fulham could have easily scored about three. I mean, Allison was was on form, and then decoded over Reed with uh, with the breakthrough, the very very good goal, uh, very well struck into the middle left sort of, and uh, it brought yeah. them one nil up. And then Liverpool, I think they were quite lucky in um, getting a penalty in. Like, I think it was the 79th minute, and then Mo Salah. It was one of the shakiest pens I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how Ariola hasn't kept that out, but yeah, they do go. Um, away from London with, with a point and it's probably not deserved. I think uh, probably deserved to, to take all three points away from the champions. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a penalty incident in that game as well with Fabinho and Ivan Cavallero, I believe. And the I think it's the second time uh, that the ref's been called over to the monitor and it hasn't been, the decision hasn't been changed over. Now, looking at those two angles and this angle that you've got, that you can see now, that was the one that was given as no penalty, but the other angle looked like it was a penalty. Um, so you have to go off two angles. Um, so, I mean, for me, he clearly got the ball and the, he was fine. And even if he did catch him on the follow through, it was nothing bad. But yeah, I think that was a no penalty right decision. Would you agree? Yeah, from what I can see, yeah, I think he's gotten the ball. What about you? I, I... I haven't seen the clip, but I think he's got on the ball there. Well, I th I remember seeing um, and they said that VAR advised to give a penalty, but then he looked at the monitor and he said no. Um, 
from first glance, it looks like he got the ball, but I, it's hard to tell when you don't have like multiple angles. You just have the back of it, and then you can't really tell if Fabinho or Caviero's uh, got the ball. And I mean, if Caviero's the got the final touch, then surely it'll be a penalty. But um, I think the Andre Mariner did think that Fabinho got the final touch, and therefore it's probably not a penalty. So, yeah, another very controversial one. But um, yeah, I think he made the right decision overall. Yeah. Uh, now, going on to the next game, and it was Arsenal versus Burnley, and Aubameyang got the, well, I want to say vital goal, but it's not really a vital goal, because Burnley got the goal that was a deflection in the end, that won Burnley the game. Um, so, the game, nothing really happened that I can collect of, really. I know Arsenal did. Play. Arsenal went a man down. Yeah. Um, was Wait, was that for the Southampton one, or was did they get another man sent uh, off? Both of them. Both of them. Yeah. got sent off in this one, and then Gabriel got sent off in the Southampton one. Yeah, um, so two sending offs in two games. Everybody's That's saying not that good. Arteta's lost. That's really not good. Everyone was saying that Arteta's lost the dressing room. For me, that's a bit of proof there. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Is Arteta the right man? Should he stay or should he go? He's been there a year now. He has so, to be out, man. What are your thoughts? And that's, that's poor from Aubameyang scoring an own goal. But two two red cards in two games is poor. I think he's lost it. Well, I mean, it, he's a manager of little experience and if you want a manager to come in and, and bring trophies, then he needs to be able to uh, sort this type of situation out quickly and it, it's just not happened for him. Like, the whole of the season, he's just been going further and further downhill. And if he doesn't pick it up soon, I think he will be gone. But again, uh, we've, we've never really seen anything in, uh, from him in a managerial point of view and maybe sometime he could uh, start picking up points again, but... It doesn't look like it is going to be um, very likely to be doing that uh, until probably after the January transfer window if they if they get any in. Um, so yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's very worrying for Arsenal at the moment. Now Burnt Leno came out after I think it was I want to say the Southampton game. I think it was, um, and he said, "Well, this is a summary of what his quote said: the coach is least to blame for the fact that we are in this situation." The attitude is bad, discipline lacking, and we have no self-confidence. There are many factors at play. Would you agree with Leno um, that, that they are lacking at the moment? I mean, we can see they are lacking due to the results, but the self-confidence bit, surely that's not very good. I, I can see that they're lacking discipline and self-confidence. I think that's come from the lack of results because they really haven't had a result that they can like be proud of this season. Yeah. Really looking at their team. Maybe their the Man United team. one, but then again, Man United at home aren't the Man United that they are away. So exactly. Yeah. I, I just don't think they've got enough to stand on for as good a team they are, and I think that's really taken like a turn on them. So for a player instead of a pundit to, to come out and say something like that as well is is very um, disappointing for the Arsenal players. So. Yeah. So, Normally, it's the pundits that's lagging them off, and it's the team. So, so what do you think needs to happen? Do you think formation tactics need to change? Does Arteta need to go out? What would you do? I I don't think it's the tactics that are bad. I think it's the man management. I think Arsenal's team is so good, and he's not getting their full potential out of them, even though he is pushing um, to get all the effort. If if everyone's feeling like shit as they walk onto the pitch, they're gonna play awfully. Yeah, yeah I mean, we've seen multiple times that his tactics are on point, and like 
some teams you can just pass around them and, and beat them like whoever they are. We saw it in the FA Cup final. They beat Man City and, and Chelsea, was it? Um, yeah, yeah. They, they beat them no worries, didn't they? Yeah, and then like as, as soon as the players start to like lose their heads, it's just like going in a whole different direction. I think if you can win back the players and then still get them playing with the same tactics, then I think Arsenal could uh, improve. But again, with these players like Jacko, we've seen it multiple times when uh, with the fans, he just doesn't get on very well with them sometimes. And you can't be having that in your football club if you want to move forward. So, yeah, they definitely need some players gone and definitely need some players in as well. Uh, I also think uh, Arteta can manage situations a lot better because he has been actively coming out and saying these things about players in social media, hasn't he? Yeah. And yeah. and then players have been um, like performing badly in training and stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think it's almost like they need two managers, one in the changing room and then one for tactics. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw um, some. I saw a post and it was an Aubameyang tweet next to a Bukayo Saka, and it was something like Bukayo pa- Bukayo Saka put something like um, what did he put? <clears throat> it was something like you deserve more Arsenal fans or something along those lines. And then Aubameyang put the two eyes or... Do you know the two eyes emoji? Yeah. Yeah, he put that and it was to a link of a source or another tweet and I'm not sure what it quite was. But it was just saying like how there's two sides to Arsenal at the moment with the players. Like you've got one section of players and another section of players. So there's a bit of a divide at the moment. Yeah. I can see that to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't think they've been getting on well at all. Yeah, um, but we'll have to see if they can bounce back uh, at the weekend. But going on to the midweek games now, and the game that we're going to talk about now, Wolves versus Chelsea, 2-1 in the end to Wolves. It was quite a shocking result in the end, Alex, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Chelsea have been uh, defensively resolute all season, and I think no one expected them to, to go to the Molyneux and, and concede even one goal, but the fact that um, Wolves were able to turn it around like so late as well was, was very good for them. Um, I can't remember who scored first. For Ch- I, it was it Giroud. I think he, he broke the deadlock for Chelsea. And then, um, obviously, Wolves come back in the second half. I think they scored in the 68th minute. And then the 96th with Pedro Neto to, to take all three points away from Chelsea. And, um, again, that's two defeats on the, on the bounce for Chelsea. And I think... There's some stuff like they haven't beaten a team above the top 12 this season, even though people think like they're so good, which is just a mad stat. So, um, yeah. I would I would say Wolves are coping well at the moment, considering Jimenez is out and everything. I, mean, yeah. I, I personally thought they weren't going to recover, uh, especially because he got beat 4-0 against Liverpool the other week. But they came out against Arsenal. I, I know Arsenal is great at the moment, but they won 2 one uh, Pedence and Neto seem to be that strike force that's making them gel at the moment uh, up front for Wolves. Yeah. And then we've seen it again in midweek with Chelsea. So doesn't look too bad for Wolves considering Jimenez is out. But they haven't been doing too poorly. They should. They probably shouldn't have won against uh, lost against us, but they haven't been doing too bad. Yeah. They could definitely do with a, a striker because that Fabio Silva's not doing much for them at all. But. Um... If they get a striker in, who knows, they could, they could even score more goals. So. Yeah, definitely. Now, the next game was Manchester City 1, West Brom 1. Now, I didn't see this coming. I knew West Brom would sort of park the bus because, you know, they play a 5-3 at the back. Sometimes it was more of a 5 at the back. 
Um, but Manchester City got scored through, I believe it was a Gundogan goal still and somehow kept the ball in. Um, Gundogan slotted it home and then West Brom got an absolutely jammy goal through uh, Ajayi where a free kick ball was crossed in and it was headed down and Ajayi managed to get it. And I think it took a deflection. Yeah, I um, think it was given as a Diaz own goal. Yeah, uh, that went into the bottom corner. Edison was never stopping that. Uh, but yeah, City... I wouldn't say they couldn't break them down, but Sam, then again, Sam Johnstone was very good that match. So yeah, I don't think City should be that like I don't know disappointed in themselves because they did play very well. Yeah, their their build up play and everything I thought was was pretty decent. It was uh, on level as as like some of the performances that they've done the best in. But I mean, West Brom's defense they they weren't shaky, but they weren't the best. And then Sam Johnstone just kept them in the game multiple times. Um, it wasn't on the level of Guaita, but uh, yeah, it was a very, very good performance from John, Sam Johnson. So, can I just say that kit is awful? <laughs> West yeah. Brom's, yeah. That away kit is awful. It's so bad. I had somebody the other day say it looks like. Do you remember Barca's kit? I don't know if it was twenty thirteen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was all right though. But this is just ringing. <laughs> it's an eyesore. It just hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the next game was last night, actually, because we're on the Friday, so Thursday night. Sheffield United versus Manchester United. Now, the first Yorkshire team that United's going to face this week. 2-3 um, in the end to United away. Um, Rashford played very, very, very well. I've not seen a performance from that from Marcus Rashford in a, in a long while. He dominated the play for me. Uh, totally deserved man of the match, which he got in the end. Um, we looked a lot better, but then again, Dean Henderson got that mistake that ultimately cost us. And I thought we were going to come back because we always take a goal to, at the moment we do anyway, always take a goal to like light us up and want, not uh, what's it, wake up. There we go. Always takes a goal to wake us up. Uh, and that's what happened in the end. Sheffield United got one back through McGoldrick, I think it was. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, but we were already up by uh, 3-1 at that point. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, so yeah, we, we got the three points in the end. So on to Leeds, which I'll give, well, we'll all give our predictions soon in a bit. But yeah, we're trying to build a bit of momentum now after the Champions League loss. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can build on it. Uh, the next game is Liverpool 2, Spurs 1. Uh, now Spurs sat back and the possession stats were very bad in Spurs' favour considering how they parked the bus. 76% possession for Liverpool. Uh, I think it was 24% for uh, Spurs. 24% for Spurs. Uh, it was something like 96% in the first 20 minutes or something to yeah, Liverpool, which I thought was crazy. Liverpool to only score twice from that, though. That's a bit... But the thing is with Spurs, uh, who, who said it? I think it was Klopp came out and said it. He said Spurs are the best team in the league for counter-attacking because they defend well. They've got Sissoko and Hojbjerg, who are arguably the best CDMs in the Prem at the moment, uh, guarding that back four. And then you've got Son and Kane, who can just go up front. And Son ended up getting a counter-attacking goal, surprisingly. Um, but then Firmino, in the last minute, got a header. But would you, would you say Mourinho's style of play is a bit boring? Because Klopp said that it's his way of playing, and that what's, that's what makes him such a good manager. But... For a fan's point of view, for a Spurs, I wouldn't be thinking that, would you? I'd be so bored watching that. Thank God Villa don't do that. <laughs> it's, it's like wave after wave, Alex, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, again, like, it, 
I think Mourinho is sort of right. Like, if you're a club that hasn't won trophies in a while, like Tottenham, uh, and you've just got like this squad, you aren't playing particularly nice football, but you're grinding out the results, and and hopefully it'll bring them some sort of silverware in the near future. And I wouldn't be complaining if I were them. But again, if it's a team like Liverpool, Man United, who have won trophies recently, then if they started playing like that, I wouldn't uh, enjoy it at all. But if, if Everton were playing like that, you wouldn't take it, would you? Um, well, it, it happened with Sam Allardyce. Like he brought us up to like from like thirteenth to eighth in the season. Yeah, but everyone hated then, him. Yeah, if that was another manager, then we probably would have stuck with him. But because we were so, playing like such ugly football and just grinding out results, we we just didn't enjoy it, and then we ended up sacking him. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had Mourinho. Well, yeah, we had Mourinho and. For me, we were playing quite counter-attacking, but nothing like Spurs are playing at the moment. We actually tried yeah. to get the ball off them. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, it's working for them at the moment. If they're second in the Prem, I think, at the yeah, moment. Yeah, they were very unlucky as well. I think Bergerine hit the post and then oh, yeah, just yeah. Uh, went just a bit wide on two identical times. So. And then Kane had a shot outside the box. I'm pretty sure that just went over yeah. the bar. But then Liverpool had a lot of chances. Mane <laughs> hit the post or, no, the crossbar, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of points where Tottenham were, were sort of on top. They were like trying to press Liverpool, but most of the time it was just Liverpool playing it around the box. So. Yeah. All right. So the next game is Leeds versus Newcastle. It was 5-2 in the end. Um, Leeds' dominant performance for me. Newcastle should have probably had a penalty with the Liam Cooper challenge on Callum Wilson, I think it was. But Jack Harrison scored an absolute banger for Leeds' fifth. Um, which I thought could be uh, goal of the month. But yeah, dominant performance by Leeds and on to Sunday against United away, uh, which we'll give our predictions, as I said before, in a bit. Going on to Paul Pogba now. Uh, and the situation, we spoke about it last week. We'll just briefly go on it now. Um, so this is what he had to say after, I think it was the... What was it? Which game was it now? It wasn't the Sheffield United game. Who did we play? City. Yeah, it was City. Um so this is what he's basically put. I've always fought and will always fight for Manchester United. My teammates and the fans, blah, blah. It's not important. The future is far. Today is whatever matters. I'm 1,000% involved. Always strong together. All has been clear between me and the club and myself. And that will never change. When you don't know what's going on inside, don't talk. Very strong words. Very strong words. words uh... Paul Pogba. Do we believe him though? Nah. I think he's going. Yeah. I think he's going, but I, d- I think he's trying to keep it as cool as possible while everything's being discussed because United never move quickly. Yeah. Um, now, I think Ollie and the board have told him to say this personally because we want to keep his value up quite high because if you want to play a leave-in, then or they've said that they're leaving and they're having like, bad or negotiable stuff with the club at the moment then Barca will come in and say, oh, well, we can get him for 40 mil because he wants to leave anyway. But if United just keep this going and say that he doesn't want to leave, we could be getting 80 million back from maybe 90 million, something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll get your full price back, but it is better to kind of play it out and play the market a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, Alex, I want to get your thoughts on this Mino Raiola quote. Uh, that was happening this week. Now, Pogba said that and then Raiola's came back again this week and he said, when it comes to him in England, they are sensitive, perhaps too sensitive. In January, the big players hardly move. In the summer, let's see what happens. Is he going in the summer, if he's if Raiola said that? Well, I mean, Raiola says a lot of things we 
I think Everton. Uh, we have a lot of players who have him. Obviously, he's like the super agent in football. And uh, we have a lot of players who, who are linked to him and he's their agent. And he says a lot of things. He says, like, Richarlison wants to leave. But then, obviously, he, he's not that close to all the players he has, seeing as he, he's got, like, I think it's maybe 300 players that he takes care of. So, um, I mean, he... he could definitely be leaving. Like Pogba's probably one of the bigger players he has, and he could have a, a very good relationship with him. And then he's just come out and said that, and he's he's probably going to try and sort out a deal for him in the summer. But it all depends uh, fully on whether Man United wants him to leave, and then whether Pogba wants to leave by himself. So um, yeah, I mean, I I could probably see him leaving in the summer, but you definitely need someone big to replace him. So. Yeah, I, personally, I don't see him going in January like Raul has said. I think he yeah. will go in the summer. Um, but, yeah, it's, you, you've still got that thing in your back of your mind. That, like, it's 50-50 at the moment because he wants to leave. But then he's saying that he doesn't want to leave. But we know that he's going to yeah. leave because his contract's up very, very soon anyway. Uh, so, yeah, there's two ways he can really play it. I've heard um, people saying, oh, I don't want Haaland to come to United because I don't want to deal with Raul for me, you're not really you're paying for you're paying for the player. You're not paying for the agent, so you have to deal no. with them separately. There's no no other clubs are having issues with um, Real really. Yeah. Like yeah. obviously the odd thing comes up now and again, but it's never been as big as Pogba. I think Pogba was a one-off. Yeah. Um, so I would happily take Haaland, and if we have to deal with deal with Real, we have to deal with him. But for me, I think you. Like I said before, you get the player, you don't you don't ask for the agent, the agent comes with him. So yeah, that's, that's uh, Dan, Ollie said today, he said he thinks that Sancho will be coming this season, which means he'll be moving in the January transfer window. Now I highly doubt that. What do you think? No, he, he's not coming. Like he, I heard some I heard some United fans say today we've not even got the money. Which I'm really surprised at. I think we have got some of money. But we've not got enough for Sancho. I can guarantee you that at the moment with everything at COVID. And I, I don't think it'll happen stadium. until at least next season. Yeah, for me, it's happening in the summer, definitely. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't happen, then that's just another big L for us. If it doesn't happen in the summer, I don't think it'll happen at all. Yeah. Alex, do you think you'll... Do you, what do you think about Oli? What's he said? Uh, I think um, no big players, as Rayola said before, ever move in the summer. I think... Um, the summer's just uh, not the summer, the uh, January transfer January. window. Um, and I think the January transfer window is just for like consolidated squad and get some backups for the for the tail end of the season. And it then, tends uh, to be consolidation, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then um, obviously the the big transfer window, the summer one, is just where you build for the for the upcoming season. So if you're ever going to get him, it's going to be this summer. But yeah, again, uh, does he want to come to United? Seeing as um, there's a lot of bigger teams at the moment that he could go to, but then again, you know, I'd have got a good young squad that they're, they're trying to build on, and maybe he'll be the perfect um, jigsaw, like jigsaw piece for it. So, yeah, yeah we see. Going on some Bundesliga news now, and Dortmund have sacked the head coach after that hammering against Stuttgart. I think it was at home as well, five-one. Uh, yeah. It finished in the end, and I think they might have got beat by Wolfsburg or somebody else, or one-nil or something. Um, so, I mean, they yeah. haven't won at home in like five matches or something. So, yeah, yeah. I thought they were looking quite good at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, yeah they've, they've fallen off the rails a bit. Uh, Diogo Jota is out for six to eight weeks. 
very bad news for Liverpool. This, I mean, Firmino scored, so clearly he's in the good books for Liverpool fans now, even though they were slating him two weeks ago. But we move. Um, do we think this is a very big loss because we know what he's like coming off the bench and starting for Liverpool? For Liverpool. Well, I was talking with a Liverpool fan about it, and they said that it'll be a hit, and they'll definitely suffer, and it'll be hard for them. But they have the squad depth to fill out the place anyway. Yeah, it's not like the uh, Jota being out is going to severely limit how well they can play because yeah. they have good players they can fill that spot. Do you agree with Joe Alex? Yeah, I mean, at first I thought, um, seeing as Firmino's not in very good form, Origi probably couldn't play that many games at striker for Liverpool. I thought it'd be um, quite a big loss for them. But, I mean, Firmino's coming in and scored a, a goal. So, yeah, I don't think it'd be that big a loss. And when he comes in, back in, they'll be stronger than ever. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I go to stay on Liverpool at the moment. And um, their uh, centre-back is Reese Williams. Is that, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, it was something like a year ago when he played Tottenham the other, uh, in midweek. A year ago, he was playing in the National League North for Kidderminster Harriers, and he was in, and he wasn't even in the England youth squad. And now he's in that, and then he was playing against the England captain. I just thought it was mad. <laughs> yeah, all things can change. Um, now staying with Liverpool again, and sadly, Gerard Houllier, the former Liverpool and Aston Villa and France manager, has passed away at the age of seventy-three. Now, Joe, I don't, I don't know when he was at Villa. I couldn't, I couldn't remember him. But could you? No, uh, I didn't know. I, I knew he'd managed us, but I don't. I didn't know what time period. But it is a big loss. Yeah, I think it might have been nineties, maybe, maybe early two yeah. thousand, something like that. Um, yeah, Alex has been on Merseyside. It's a big loss for him, isn't it? Especially for the red half. Yeah, I mean, um, I could tell it was a, a big loss for the, for the entire of Liverpool. Um, he's a very good manager for them. He won multiple trophies with them. And you could see he was very big because he actually got respect from, from our fans as well. So, yeah, you always expect um, respect from for someone who's passed away. But this amount, you just have to be a, a very big um, part of football. And, and he was. So, yeah, it's a very big loss. Yeah. Um, now going on to the Champions League and Europa League draws. Now, Alex, would you like to read them? Read the Champions League out for us. Now, when you do it, just stop between each one, and we'll give our predictions. Uh, okay. So it will be over two legs. This will be in about February time, I think. Um, so if if you if you say the lineup thing or the fixture, then go to Joe first. Then it goes to me, and then it goes to you. We'll give our like quick predictions. Okay. Ready. Uh, so the first one is Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Man City. Right, Joe. I think City will win it two one. It won't be an easy game by any stretch, but uh, I think City will win it quite comfortably. Considering both of the legs, I think there's only really one winner, and we're gonna have to go for City. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think City are gonna qualify. I don't think it'll be um, as easy as most people think, but. I think they'll probably um, win 4-2 over both legs. Uh, so, the next one is Lazio versus Bayern Munich. I don't think there's any other result apart from a Bayern win, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think it's really bad luck that Lazio has been drawn against them. They could have gone a lot further, but no, I think Bayern will uh, succeed. Yeah. I think Bayern are sitting first in the Bundesliga at the moment. No change there. I know Leipzig are quite close to them, 
But Lazio were meant to be quite good as well, I believe. Um, so I wouldn't underestimate them. But yeah, for me, Bayern are going to blow them out of the park. What about you, Alex? So yeah, again, I don't think it'll be uh, as easy as people think. Lazio aren't um, a very bad team. But uh, compared to Bayern Munich, they're, they're not really anything. So I'm going to go 5-1 to, to Bayern Munich over two legs. Wow. Uh, the next one is Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea. Uh, this will be a tough one. I think Atletico will come out on top, but I think it'd be very close. Yeah, I, th- I think Chelsea are good, don't get me wrong. Atletico are good. They're both in the same boat, sort of. Sort of going for the title, but not like nobody's nailed them on to win it. Maybe Chelsea a bit. Um, but for me, if Chelsea have their full squad and nobody gets injured, I'm going to have to go for Chelsea to win that. By a slight margin, I think I think we'll see another um, Atletico Liverpool type game. I think uh, Chelsea will probably dominate most of the matches, and then Atletico will just like grind out the results. So I'm going to go four three for Atletico Madrid. Um, so the next game is RB Leipzig versus Liverpool. Um, I think Liverpool will come out on top, even without Jota. They're still ridiculously strong at the moment, and I think. Leipzig are going to get nailed. Um, yeah. Considering what they did against us, I don't think they should be underestimated Leipzig, but I still think Liverpool will, will have the edge over them. It depends because they're both pressing teams. Remember, RB Leipzig did, did get to the semi-finals last year in the Champions League. So, it, it'll be a tough one, but for me, Liverpool are going to come out on top. Um. Yeah, I think definitely um, Liverpool will probably uh, win the um, overall tie. I think the first match, I think Liverpool are going to absolutely dominate Leipzig and I think the next one, they're probably going to have realised what they did wrong and maybe try and uh, recover from it. But I'm going to go 3-0 Liverpool over the two legs. Um, The next game is FC Porto versus Juventus. I think Juventus will win by quite a <laughs> quite a few goals. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think Porto stand much of a chance, especially with Ronaldo and that. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm, I think we're all in agreement with this one. I think Juventus is going to blow them out of the park. Um, yeah, Juventus is going to win it for me. So yeah, I think um, Juventus are definitely going to win. But again, it's another team. I don't think Porto are anything special. They, I wouldn't say they're lucky to be in this part of the Champions League, but they're then they're a different tier to uh, any of the other teams. So I'm probably going to go four-one to Juventus over both legs. And uh, this one's um, a very big fixture. It's Barcelona uh, against PSG. We've seen quite a few crackers. This is going to be a really tough game. Honestly, it could go either way. I, I think Barca will probably win at home and I think PSG will just tip them off um, when Barca are playing away. Yeah. But I think it'll come down to penalties. I think... Um, I don't know, because Barcelona, do, like, they're not doing very well, like we've, we've mentioned in other podcasts. Uh, they're sitting seventh, I think, in the Liga at the moment. PSG, I mean, they, they destroyed us, really, uh, away. Um, but I think if, if Barca keep playing how they're playing, I think PSG will just run them ragged. I don't think Barcelona will really have a chance. Maybe they'll, they'll win at home, maybe, but I, I doubt it. But, yeah, for me, it's going to be 
a PSG win. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Barcelona and PSG aren't on the best of forms that uh, they've ever been in. Um, but judging on the current form, I'd, I'd say PSG will probably come out victorious. Um, but again, they're not they're not the best in, in big, high-pressure games. So uh, I'm probably going to go 2-1 to Barcelona over both legs. So, um, yeah, the next game is Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I think Dortmund will win this one quite comfortably. Sevilla will score, but I think Dortmund will win it by two goals overall. Yeah, I mean, new manager, new coach, whatever you want to say. I think they'll get the ump from the want to start winning more games because the British Dortmund big club, of course. When this draw happened, I was so happy that Sevilla aren't in the Europa League so they can't knock us out again and win another one for like the sixth time or whatever it would have been. Um, or the seventh. Uh, so, yeah, I was happy about that. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Joe. Dortmund win. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, Dortmund are going to win as well. But I think it's mainly because they have um, more high-quality players, your Haaland, your um, Marco Royce and all of that. So, yeah, I think it'll be a closer game than people expect. But I reckon Dortmund are going to go through 3-1 on aggregate. Uh, and the last game on this list is Atalanta versus Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, I think Real Madrid will definitely win this one. Um, but it'll be close in the first leg when Atalanta are at home. But then second leg, I think Real Madrid will just destroy them completely. I think there's two sides to this one. If we see the Real Madrid that lost to Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, or we see the Real Madrid that destroy everyone, which we've not seen in a while. And Atalanta, quarter-finalists last year, I don't think they should be underestimated, especially with Ilicic as well, and Diallo who will be coming to United anyway. But anyway, I think Atalanta don't write them off straight away. That's what I would say. Um, do you know what? I'm going to go for an Atalanta win. Why not? Why not? They're going through for me. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tight game. But, uh, again, Real Madrid, we always see them come through in Champions League games, uh, no matter what form they're in. So, I'm probably going... Um, I'll go 5-4 to uh, Real Madrid over the two legs. But, yeah. Close. Um, now, Joe, would you like to read out the round of 32 draw for the English teams? Uh, Are we predicting all of them? Uh, we can just do them quickly if you want. Just say which team will win. All right, um, Wolfsburger AC versus Tottenham. Uh, who's predicting first? I'll go first, then Alex, then you. Um, Spurs for me every day of the week. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tottenham all day. Yeah, Spurs. Uh, Dynamo Kiev versus Club Bruges. Wait, do you want to do the English teams or do you want to just do all of them? It's up to you guys. We'll do all of them. All right, okay. Um, Club Bruges, I think they're quite good at the moment. Uh, just because of... Is it Dejan Lovren that plays for them, yeah? So, I'll go um, down with Kiev. Really? I think Club Bruges will win by Even though he scored an own goal in midweek. Yeah, but they got Malcolm as well, so it's all good. It's That's Zenit, isn't it? Oh, wait, yeah, never mind. I'll go Club Bruges then. Never mind. I love Dennis. I love Dennis. I love Dennis. What about uh, you, Dennis? What, if I love Dennis? No, not if yeah. I love Dennis. <laughs> the game... <laughs> I said uh, Club Bruges will win quite comfortably. Fair enough. Uh, Real Sociedad versus Man United. Um, now, I was buzzing for this draw. When the, first, when the draw was happening, I was like, I really wanted Real Sociedad um, because 
I'm not asked if we get go out because we then we can focus on the prem and have a chance to get top four again or even win it. But that's too far, I think. Um, Real Sociedad, I'm pretty sure the top three in the La Liga at the moment, so I'm not underestimating them. David Silva's with top. Uh, top, yeah, I thought they were top, but I didn't want to say they were top because yeah. I know what Atletico and Real are doing at the moment on Sevilla. Um, but yeah, I think they'll win at home, we'll win at home, and we'll just get it, I think. Uh, well, I'm going for Real Sociedad, and I think David Silva's going to get seven goals over both legs. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dan, I think you're going out this time. All right, fair enough. <laughs> What about Benfica versus Arsenal? Ooh, Benfica for me. I think they're yeah, doing, I think... They're quite, doing quite well in the league and not, so yeah, I'm going to go with them. Depending on how Arsenal pick up their form or if they pick it up at all. Um, I, yeah, but overall, I think it's going to be uh, an easy win for Benfica. Thinking about Arsenal's current form, I think Benfica will dominate. Yeah. Well, let's see how Joe pronounces this next team. <laughs> oh, God. That is a hard one. Kravina Zvezda versus AC Milan. AC Milan. Uh, the second time round was even bad. It was quite good. <laughs> AC Milan for me. Yeah, AC Milan, they're in a uh, very good form. I'm pretty sure they were top of Serie A, but I'm not sure where they are now. Uh, I'm going to say AC Milan only because I can pronounce their name and I know who they are. <laughs> Next game. Uh, Royal Antwerp versus Rangers. Right, so a Belgian team versus a Scottish team. Yeah, Rangers is all written over it for me. Yeah, I think Rangers have been in uh, very, very good form recently and I can't see that going downhill. So, yeah, Rangers win. Yeah, Rangers are doing very well at the moment. Um, might even be on track to win. But, um, yeah, I think Rangers will get this game. Uh, Slavia Prague versus Leicester. Leicester. Consistency is mad for them at the moment under Rodgers. So, yeah, then for me. Um, well, I'm actually predicting a shock. I think uh, Slavia Prague will actually uh, win 3 2. Do you? Yeah. They, no. they lost to us. They lost to us. <laughs> I think Leicester will win it quite comfortably. I think they're doing very well at the moment. Yep. And then the final win, the final one that we have, uh, Salzburg versus Villarreal. Uh, Salzburg, have, well, there's some transfer news that we'll talk about in a moment, but they've sold one of their best players. And Villarreal are a very good team at the moment, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah Villarreal for me. Um, I'm probably going to go for, for Salzburg. I mean, they have sold, I don't know how to pronounce um uh, the guy's name that they just sold, but um, yeah, they've got uh, some very good players as well, so I think they'll, they'll probably get the win. I think Salzburg will win. I think they'll prove that they can function without this guy, because a lot of clubs have been doing it this season, uh, mostly due to injuries. A lot of clubs have been showing up when their best when their top players have been injured. <laughs> Van Dijk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are some other games and the English teams that we've given our predictions there for. Uh, now, going back to the Premier League, and only four clubs have got fans in stadiums. So, two Merseyside clubs with Liverpool and Everton, and two, what would you say, South, South Beach Coast. area, South Coast, yeah, um, Brighton and Southampton. Now, do we think it's fair? We did speak about this um, 
the other week, but this was when all the teams were in. Now it's only four teams. Is there even more of a bigger advantage for these four teams? Well, I think definitely. I mean, um, we're definitely advantaged, but I can definitely admit that we we probably do have an advantage seeing as um, we do have fans. Um, and yeah, I just I don't think it's very fair. But again, if they do bring fans back in every every place and there is a tier three and a bigger chance of everyone getting coronavirus, then it's probably not the best idea to do it. So. Yeah, same with you, Joe, or do you disagree? It'll be a big disadvantage for the teams that are playing these four clubs, but I'm I'm not sure. It's it's two thousand fans, it will make a lot of a difference, but um if it's only four clubs, it's those four are gonna succeed, but it's Brighton and Southampton. If Brighton play City, even if Brighton have fans, I doubt they'll win. I'm pretty yeah. sure they played Southampton like two weeks ago and they, they still lost at home. So. I know I know Southampton are playing with uh, Man City, which we'll give our predictions for in a bit. But Southampton are good anyway, don't get me wrong. But I think with fans like you said, Alex, it'll add more momentum for them to go and have yeah. a go at winning. Uh, but yeah, we'll, I was we'll... thinking to Jason, I think the fans really won it for us at Chelsea. So I'm... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. You, you hold your momentum, didn't you? Uh, for the defensive yeah. side. Um, now, Petr Cech was back in Chelsea gear this week uh, for the youth team, under-21s, I believe. Uh, oh, no, Premier League 2, it's called now, anyway. Um, he had a bit of a shaky start, I believe. I think it was a pass or something. He made a bit of an error. Yeah. But it, I think he had a solid game. Um, so, yeah, Cech was back in net. Haaland picked up his 2020 Golden Boy Award for his outstanding season. Um, that's uh, the thing for everybody under-21 in Europe, I believe. Uh, it was fully deserved, I think, wasn't it? It was either him or Bappe. Or yeah. You could say. yeah, pretty much. I think he's had his breakthrough season this year and it was uh, well deserved as well. Yeah. Now, he's going, had a stunner. Yeah. Now, going on to some Aston Villa news, and Jack Grealish has been banned from driving for nine months. Now, it's not really, well, it's football related because of the player, uh, but yeah, he's been fined a total of £82,499 in total. Joe. Will this have an effect on him for the rest of the season, do you think? Not in the terms of how he plays, I don't think. No. Um, I think I think if he, he he's been quite reckless recently. If it carries on it might be troublesome. But I, I don't think there's anything to worry about at this point in time. Yeah. Um, I was I was watching him against Burnley and I, I I'm not sure if it was to do with this or just to do with the way Aston Villa were playing, but it looked a bit um, bit more annoyed than usual, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he'll be all right. Like, when I watched a little bit of him yesterday, of 10 minutes or so, and he dominated the play like he always does. So I don't yeah. think, like you said, Joe, it'll have a massive effect on him. Um, he's still an absolute beast. I don't, I don't think... <coughs> when he's on the field, he's on the field. I, I don't think his mind's at many other places at the moment. Yeah. Um, now, going on to some manager news now, and Slavin Bilic was sacked this week after the one-all with the City, which I was quite surprised about because I thought he would have built, built a bit of momentum from that game. Anyway, they've brought in Samuel Allardyce. Um, I saw a stat this week or something. He's managed seven clubs in the Prem and all of them have stayed up, um, which I think is pretty mad. He took Alex Everton from 13th to 8th, I believe, something like that, which isn't major. Uh, but then he's done a lot of the relegation battles. Is he the right man having an experience of him at, <coughs> at Everton, Alex? Um. 
Well, to keep them up, definitely, he's uh, pretty much a master at keeping teams up that probably wouldn't stay up if they kept their manager. But in the long run, if they if they want to stay up a few seasons, then they definitely need to bring in um, someone else. Because we like, I'm pretty sure Allardyce. I think he only kept his job at like two clubs, like Blackburn and Bolton. I'm pretty sure he's like a club legend for for finishing like seventh and sixth with them. But um, yeah, for for West Brom, I'm pretty sure they'll want someone different in the in the next coming years. But Sam Allardyce is a, a a very good recruitment for them for the position they're currently in. So. For them to bring in someone that is renowned for keeping a team up at this point in the season, that's worrying. Yeah, definitely worrying for one from. What are we, 12 games in? Yeah, we're... and uh, that's 19th, I think. We're not even halfway in and they're already keeping up. Like, bringing in someone who's renowned for keeping someone up. So they must be pretty worried. Yeah, I suppose you would do it sooner rather than later. Because well, I know yeah. when Watford did it last season, but for me they did it a bit too late, uh, getting rid of Nigel Pearson. And they, yeah, there's no point in them getting rid of him at that point. Yeah, they've they've got him in as well before the the January transfer window. So if he wants to bring anyone in as well, he can um, pick who he wants, and maybe they can bring them in. Yeah, that's probably quite a good decision on their behalf. Yeah, yeah. because then he can't really make any excuses that he's not like he he won't have all of his players that he wants. And don't get me wrong, but he'll have the majority of them that he will nail and say... This yeah, he'll have a chance to bring in a few signings. He can yeah. gladly have Trent Tosin. <laughs> um, do you reckon it was the right time to sack Slavin Bilic? Because for me, if you drew one all against City, you're arguably the second, third best team in England at the moment and get rid of him. I, I, I don't see West Brom's thinking behind that. I know we said sooner rather than later, but was the timing right? That's the question. Well, I think they, they probably had Allardyce lined up before the City game and then obviously after the City game they, they got rid of Slavan Bilic and uh, just brought him in. But um, yeah, I, I think for for the press it was probably the, the wrong time to sack him. Like Not many points go to City and, and get not many teams go to City and get a point out of it, especially um, with the team that they currently have. So it was probably a wrong time in his opinion that they sacked him. He's just um, went and got a point at, at one of the best teams in the world at the moment and then he's just been sacked for it. But ultimately, most games this season, they've, they've just been smashed and that probably what resulted in uh, him getting sacked. So. Yeah, Joe, what gets me is Chris Wilder's got one point out of 13 games and he's not got he's it. He's still not gone. But Slavin Bilic has got something, gone. what, 10 points, is it, or something? Nine points, something like that. And Slavin Bilic is gone. Do you not think that's a bit weird? Well, they've probably had Allardyce lined up for a few games now. So it won't be the City game that actually got him sacked. That'll just have been when he, when he was sacked. But I don't think them sack, sacking Bilic um, is like reflecting bad on them I think it's the fact that um, the other guy hasn't been sacked just reflects bad yeah I don't know um, now going on to some t- decisions that was made this week by the Premier League and all of the Premier League clubs and uh, the clubs have voted to go against the five substitution rule now the managers I heard Scott Park come out this week and say this, so I also say the Premier League clubs also agreed a concussion substitute, which we all agreed that we thought was right. But Scott Parker was saying, if you bring five in and an extra sub for concussion, that's sort of playing into their hands tactically wise because 
I don't know, last minute or so, you could City could bring on Mares, um when they should actually bring on Laporte as a defender if Ruben Diaz has got injured, let's say, for instance. So it's a bit of a tactical decision there. But going to the first one about the five substitutions, what do you think about this? Because people are saying it favours the Champions League and Europa League clubs because of they're in Europe and, of course, they play more and stuff like that. Um, and then Villa and everybody are saying that they've got an advantage. So what do you think, especially for you, Joe, uh, Villa? I think five subs just puts a disadvantage on the teams that don't have as much squad depth as Liverpool. Because if Liverpool or City have a player that gets tired or isn't performing as well as he could, they can bring another one on. And if you can do five, that's nearly half the team. So they can just keep re-rolling literally all their team just so they have fresh faces on the pitch. And I don't... Clubs like Villa, West Brom, Everton to an extent are really going to suffer against teams that can do that because we don't have the quality players to keep rotating. Like, we have good players on our bench, but they're nowhere near the standard of the players that would be starting. Yeah. Alex, it's sort of six substitutions, like which Joe said, it's like more than half of the team. Um, would you say that's a big factor in why the clubs like Everton, Villa, the lower league clubs, that are, well, the lower in the table clubs, have voted against it? Well, I mean, we, we saw um, with uh, Liverpool against Tottenham, like Jurgen Klopp was one of, the, one of the managers who was firmly for the five substitutions, but he didn't make a signal substitute. And I think... Um, if you have that choice of whether to do it or not, that just adds a, another um, negative onto why there shouldn't be um, five substitutions. And again, the five substitutions at the start of this season were, were just brought into like for resting players because of the pandemic. And before that, no one really like thought of putting five substitutions in. It's always been three. And um, no one was really against the three substitutions. But now they've started it, everyone wants it. And then most people don't want it. And then I think it's the right decision to, to keep it at three. But, um, yeah. Um, now, going on to the other one now, uh, and it's the grill of a concussion substitute. Now, do we all think this is the right way to go? So yeah. this will be bringing a player on. And if this will be bringing a player on if a guy has come off in a concussion. And then if that guy's all right, he can come back on. I think it's a decision that should have happened a long time ago. I think we're all in agreement with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, going on to some transfer news, and as I said before, one of uh, Salzburg's players has gone over to Leipzig, obviously the Red Bull connection. Um, Dominic's, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his second name unless one of you two. Soboslai. Oh, I don't know. Alex, you go yours and then Joe, you go yours. Soboslai or Shabosh, I don't know. Soboslai. Right, we'll, we'll go with Soboslai. It's probably not right, but. It's something, I suppose. Um, do you think this is just the Red Bull connection? That's such a yeah, definitely. Event? Because we've seen it with Naby Keita and Erlen Haaland. Wait, no, not Haaland, sorry. Naby Keita, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw someone commented in, like, it's something seems pretty illegal in how the um, RB and Salzburg, RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg can just, like, transfer players for a cut price. And they can still uh, get matched against each other in the Champions League. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit weird. But. Yeah. Um, now, we'll go on to the awards that were given out this week. And I believe it's 
for the FIFA player. So it was the Ballon d'Or, wasn't it? So is this the new Ballon d'Or? I think it is. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so Manuel Neuer got the best men's goalkeeper of the year. Now, questions were raised why he got it because he he wasn't in the actual start, the 11 that was picked um, and Alisson was in it. So do we think Alisson should have got it or Neuer? What do we think? Well, I mean, Neuer pretty much uh, kept by Munich in the Champions League at some point. So um, I think it was the right decision for, to, to give him the award. But it was pretty weird how he wasn't in the actual squad. So, uh, yeah. Would you I think Alisson should have got it, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I Personally, I, I agree with you, Joe. If, he, if he's in the team of the year, why is he not like in the best goalkeeper in the year of the year? I don't get it personally. Um, but if they've gone with Neuer, they've gone with Neuer. Uh, like you said, you gave a valid point, Alex, about uh, keeping them in the Champions League. But then, for me, Liverpool winning the title last season and going on a bit of a Champions League run, I think he kept them in that sort of. But, yeah. We'll, we'll come on to uh, them in a moment. But going on to the FIFA Women's Coach, or the best of the year, was Serena Weigman. Um I don't know which club she's on. I'm pretty sure she's a national national team coach or she's Leon or Wolfsburg's coach. I'm pretty sure one of the two. Uh, Jürgen Klopp got the best men's coach of the year. Now, again, questions were raised about this between the Bayern and Liverpool link. Um, now, everyone was saying, well done to Klopp, he deserved it. But then Hansi Flick won a treble with Bayern Munich and he didn't get anything. So... Alex, I'll come to you first on this one. Should has Hansi Flick been robbed? Um, I think so because um, ultimately the best manager should be um, based on who's won like the amount of trophies and what trophies they've won. Uh, Jurgen Klopp won the Premier League. Fair enough, that's a, a very good trophy to win. But like, yeah, Bayern Munich won the the double in their country and then won the Champions League as well. So. Based on that, I think Flick should have should have definitely got the the um, manager of the well head coach of the year. So, yeah. What about you, Joe? Well, Flick's won the Champions League, so I think definitely Flick should have got it. Uh, obviously, Klopp's doing amazing at the moment, and his this year has just been amazing for him. But I don't. Know, if you win the Champions League, surely you're the best manager. Even if it's just the Champions League, like. You could, I don't know, like City played, when City got 100 points, Pep Guardiola was arguably the best manager in the world at that moment in time. But Hansi Flick won a treble. Like, what more does he need to do to get a manager of the world? Like, I can't even think of another reason. He won everything that was available to him and he still didn't get coach of the year. Quadruple? Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. They sort of got a quadruple, didn't they? Because they won the Super Cup. Oh, yeah, they did, yeah. So, sort of, yeah, yeah. technically, actually, won a quadruple, quintuple, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if they've got a community shield or something. Uh, but this is what Klopp had to say after it. Uh, he said, first moment, I was looking a little wide-eyed, like what? How did I get it, basically?" And he put said, "I didn't expect it." Sandy Flick won pretty much everything, like we've just said. Then Klopp's oh, been with us. us. Um, yeah. So Hansi Flick's been robbed by Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, Alex, would you like to read out the men's World Eleven for the FIFA? Uh, so yeah, this is in a four-three-three. So Allison got um, it in goal. Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back, Ramos and Van Dijk at centre back, Alfonso Davis at left back, 
three midfielders, De Bruyne, Thiago and Kimmich, uh, right winger Messi, uh, left wing Cristiano Ronaldo and striker Robert Lewandowski. What are our thoughts? I'm, when you read out that team then, I think Kevin De Bruyne shouldn't have got it. I'm not being biased. I'm just saying there was other players that did do better than him. Um, well, what what player example. would you give as an example? Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. If, if he says Bruno... <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not going to say Bruno. Uh, I'm trying to... Possibly Neymar could slot in in the midfield. Or Mbappe. Make it into another yeah. formation. <laughs> I know that it's normally a 4-3-3, but Mbappe played amazing last season. Better than De Bruyne, definitely. Mbappe oh, was fast. The one that stood out for me was Thiago. Like, I don't think Thiago should be in there. He did win a lot of things with um, with Bayern Munich. He was nowhere near the standout player for them. And then, like just because he's moved to Liverpool, maybe they thought, oh, he's still a world-class player and we'll just put him in anyway. So, yeah, that's another on, on the... What's the, what's the trade? On the fence. On the fence. Yeah. I think we're all agree, agreeing with that, though. I'm not too sure about Ramos, though. That's my only... That's another one that I was pretty unsure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of them you could argue, but uh, ultimately we, we'd find it hard to replace any of them anyway, so... Yeah, I suppose so. Um, now, going on to the other awards now. Now, Manchester City's Lucy Bronze got the Women's Best Player of the Year. Um, of course, she won the Champions League last year with Leon, and then she's come back to City uh, and doing good stuff over there for them, which is bad from my point of view, but good for her. Um, now, the men's best player of the year, undoubtedly, is Robert Lewandowski, scoring over about was 52 goals, something like that, yeah. last season. Ridiculous. Um, Nothing to argue there. No, yeah. Nothing to argue Nothing about there. But did anybody see Cristiano Ronaldo's look when it first got Oh, yeah. yeah. He was not happy. He, no, he wasn't happy there. Yeah. Um, that, that just shows how competitive he is. Um, but yeah, Ronaldo maybe next year, but we'll have to see. Uh, now, Wayne Rooney's son has been signed to the United Youth Academy this week. Um, now, I saw a lot of things on Twitter going around and it's saying he's only really got this because of who his dad is. And I, I have to sort of agree on that because he's always going to get signed up. We've seen it um, with David Beckham's son, Brooklyn got signed to Arsenal but then he got released but still he's still got a contract with them with a name like Brooklyn living in London he's going to get bullied oh remember them talking about him on Ali Ali sorry oh yeah I remember that I remember that that, that was pretty sick uh, I think Brooklyn I don't I don't know because he was quite young of an age so I don't think he got really bullied and if he did I don't really know if he did because he would have been travelling back from Manchester to London but yeah, I don't know. But anyway, staying on with Wayne Rooney, I think just, I think he's perp- Kai, that's his name, he's purposely got that just because of his, personally because of Wayne Rooney. If that was any other player that was at him, his age right now, they wouldn't have got signed, I can guarantee you that. Player for Bolton. Yeah. I don't even think he'd be in academy, but who knows. We don't know how good he is. Um, we've seen a lot of... Um, uh, footballers' sons be uh, become quite good footballers, like Justin Cliver and uh, even Erling Haaland. He's, he's proved that he's even better than his dad, but we'll have to wait and see how good he is. But um, yeah, never know. I think this is more for publicity as well. So. Yeah, could be to be fair. And Rooney being back on the United shirt with the 10. Iconic. Um, now, there was a PFA survey given out to the players this week about um, taking the knee. 
and overwhelmingly in support the players have said or filled out the form uh, of continuing the anti-racism gesture. Um, now, I've been asked this question quite a lot recently. How long do you reckon it's going to be going on until people stop taking the name? I think you should continue until racism... Sorry, Joe, I just missed that. Bit. Uh, I think it should continue until racism in football is over, until it's a thing of the past. What about you, Alex? Um, yeah, I definitely think it, it should continue, but whether it whether it does is a, a different question. Um, I reckon they'll give it maybe to the end of this season or maybe to the end of the next one. But um, yeah, I think it should definitely continue until uh, we realise like what's actually going on. So. I think it will be stopped at the end of this season or next, but I think it should continue. Yeah, I think it's good that players are showing that they're not standing for it anymore. Yeah, I think it's literally. <laughs> I think I think it should go on and stuff, but I, I know what the FA are like. I know they'll end it this this year. It'll just be a one season thing. Like uh, it, I don't think it will be anything more. And if it is anything more, it will be the players that are leading it. Definitely, I can tell you that right now. But there's, um, a, there's also this thing about like if you keep taking the knee, shouldn't you like continuously have like the rainbow flags to to support rainbow laces every week as well? So um. Yeah, it's that, that's another thing you yeah. can take into account. Yeah, that, that is very true, I suppose, because then you're saying you're in favour of one more than the other when everything yeah. should be equal then, shouldn't it? So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there's, Who knows? There's, Who knows? Yeah, there's, two side, there's two sides of it. Um, but, yeah, I think we're sort of all in agreement there. And when people get annoyed at people taking a knee, for me, why would you be getting annoyed? It lasts for about 10 seconds and people are acting like five penalties have been given in five minutes. It's like 30 seconds. What is there to kick off about? Uh, yeah. did, did you see the, the video clip of uh, Son and Benteke? No. Oh, they, they, he blew the whistle to start the match. They both started running off on the, on the side of the pitch, and then they both uh, had I to run back and take the knee. I saw Manu oh, yeah. <laughs> last season. Yeah. I think some other players. Marshall done it, I'm pretty sure, as well. Um, but it's just force of habit, I suppose. They just... Yeah. yeah, sometimes. Um, now, going on to some score predictions this weekend. Now, there are actually quite a lot this weekend. Um, now, I would, we've got no games in midweek, I don't think, but we've got some next week, weekend, which we'll yeah. cover next podcast. Um, but Southampton versus Manchester City at three o'clock on Saturday tomorrow. What are our thoughts on this one? We'll, we'll go Joe, Alex, me. Start. Um, I think Southampton will win. Really? Uh, nah, City will win by um, two or three goals, I think. Oh, I can't give you the score, but they'll win. Um, well, Southampton are in very good form, but um, City, again, they, they should have easily been West Brom and they couldn't easily score four or five goals against any team on the day. So I'm going to go 2-1 to Man City yeah, with Southampton's I... fans in the, in the ground. I'm going to go the same as you, Alex. I think it'll be a close shave. I think City will score <clears throat> with 10 minutes to go or something like that. Um, and Southampton will really put the heat on in the last couple of minutes. But I think City will hold on and it'll be 2-1 in the end to Manchester City. Now going on to your club, Alex. Everton versus Arsenal, half five. What are we thinking? Arsenal aren't doing well and you're doing very well at the moment, you could say. Well, I mean, yeah, we're in a uh, very, very good form and Arsenal uh, by far are in much worse Um but again, Arsenal are desperate for for three points now, and I think they're going to come out very hard. But I'll go for I'll go for two all. 
Joe? I think Arsenal will come out absolutely raring to go. I think they'll really try try as hard as they can for this win because they need it. Um, I think Arsenal will win 2-1. Fair enough. Uh, I think it'll be 2 all in the end. I, I think Arsenal will try and come back and Everton will hang on. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, now, going on to the Sunday games, 2.15 kick-off at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's Spurs versus Leicester. Now, both in very, very good form. Um, what are our thoughts going into this one, Joe? Um, I think Spurs will win by one goal. It won't be a very entertaining match. It'll be 1 0. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham will probably sit back again, as Leicester are a very um, attacking team, but I think uh, Tottenham will come out on top 2 0. Yeah, I think it's going to be sort of the game that you saw against Liverpool. Spurs will sit back, counter attack. Like you said, Joe, a very boring game. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 2 1. I think Leicester will get a goal, but Spurs will just hold the defence barrier up. Uh, the next game is Manchester United versus Leeds United. The Roses Ooh. rivalry is back after 16 years. Half four. Joe, what are your thoughts? This is going to be a really good game down. Yeah. I don't know. If um, not, yeah. I think you'll win quite comfortably, but I think it'll be a really good game. 2-1. Um, yeah. As we've seen, uh, Leeds are probably better against big teams. Um and I think they'll tie you out. Uh, I think they'll score um, after Leeds have scored about two. But I think it'll be um, a 3-2 win to Leeds. Now, trying to be optimistic here, considering everything that's happened with us going out of the Champions League. But basing it off the last two, three games' recent form, I'm going to say we're going to go for a two-all draw. I think Leeds will really turn the heat up. I think they'll go in front as per usual. Uh, and we'll get a slap in the face to get woken up. And then we'll get woken up, and then we'll play good football, but then Leeds will get another goal, and then we'll have to come back and get another goal. That's how I think it's going to go. Um, but the last game, uh, no, the second to last game that we're going to talk about is a Midlands rivalry, West Brom versus Aston Villa at 7.15. Joe, what are your thoughts on this one? So, we are away from home, which means we haven't been winning at home a lot this season. So, I think we will win. Um, but I think they'll probably score first and we'll have to come back from it because we haven't been playing very well against the teams that we should, should be expected to win. But I think we will come out on top. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Sam Allardyce's uh, first game in charge of West Brom. Um, and I, honestly, I think they'll they'll score first and then they'll just shut out for the rest of the game. Every man behind the ball and, and just win it 1-0. Um, Ultimately, that's what Samuel Allardyce does so well. So, I'm going to go with Villa's same result against Wolves uh, last weekend, one nil to Villa. Next game, Chelsea West Ham Monday night football, eight o'clock kickoff. What are our thoughts on this one, Joe? West Ham doing very well, and so are Chelsea. West Ham are doing class at the moment, but I still don't think they can outperform Chelsea. I think Chelsea will win it two nil quite comfortably. Uh, West Ham will have a few good attempts, but I don't. I just don't think they'll compete. Uh, yeah, I mean, West Ham are in very good form. I mean, uh, Chelsea have dropped off a bit as well. But I think this is a match that um, Chelsea are finally going to beat someone above the top 12, and I think they're going to do it quite comfortably. Uh, I'm going for 3-0. Ah, now it's 
tough game considering both teams are on recent form. But I think Chelsea will just get away with this one. I'm going to go 2 1 Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, now, just before we finish, Alex has reminded me uh, that we've got one big game that uh, we didn't talk about, and it was Leicester right. 0, Everton 2. Mason Holgate, my say, what a fresh trim he has at the moment. Um, Everton win, won even. Alex, what were your thoughts on that game? Oh, very good. Uh, we we shot out them again. We um, scored very early with uh, Richarlison, the goal that probably should have been saved, and then Mason Holgate made it to a very good performance from us and uh, well-deserved three points as well against a very good Leicester side. Yep, good momentum for you going forwards into the next coming fixtures, especially against Arsenal this weekend. But yeah, that's a wrap from us. Um, thanks for listening, if you've got this far. Um, or, well, you won't be watching because we'll only do the highlights. Uh, and but also, yeah. mind the gap, Man United, and, um, and who's, yeah. Well, wait, right. where are you in the table? Uh, we are above you on goal difference. Oh, yeah, you, yours is fifth or something, aren't you? Yeah, we're off here. And we're sixth, yeah. So it's not really... We're 11th. I wouldn't say it's really mind the gap if we're on the same points. Yeah, well, it's a massive gap. about the goal difference. You can just show. It is a massive gap. Right, yeah. The gap looks like it looks like Jason's head. Oh, right, okay. Fair enough. Not Rob Holden. Massive, massive. Not Rob Holden's. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's a bad from me. And me. And me. Thanks for listening slash watching.